Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. And welcome in to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, our executive. That's right. Executive producer on the show. And uh, we're going to bring our friend Courtney Cronin in from ESPN.com for a Vikings free agency preview. Dominoes are already falling. They've already cleared some cap space. Riley Reef, we've discussed that in depth all week. What else could they be doing? How are they going to fix this offensive line? How does Kirk Cousins' contract factor into all of this? We'll get to all of those topics and more after we cheers to our friends, Declan at Corona Hard Seltzer. Yeah, speaking of uh, dominoes falling, I'm just going to get all four cans starting off here in a couple hours, and I'm just going to start knocking them all down. You know, there's one one domino falling with Riley Reef. Is Anthony Barr next? Is Kirk Cousins next? Is a trade coming? There's plenty of dominoes to fall with my uh, Corona Hard Seltzers, and I'm excited to cheers once uh, some big news happens, because this month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with Pure Beach Vibes, with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. And also, real quick here, uh, we're in a very giving mood in the month of March at Score North. It's Pick Your Prize Month through March 26th. And so every day between March 8th and March 26th, one person who opens the Score North app will win $100. And that's coming, like, Judd's giving you cash. It's just Judd. <laughs> I just drive right Judd's to your door. Money. Win, win Judd's money. Yep, I just yep, knock on your door and give you $100 and leave. <laughs> just shows up. He wears a mask, so it's not super weird. But I'd it's like some snacks, weird though. Judd like a beer. pizza or something, um, great beer. And so uh, today's winner is is Jamie, I believe it's pronounced, Keeker from Fairmont, Minnesota. So he wins $100 and is entered to win a $10,000 prize pack from one of our nine partners. You can do it uh, very easily. Open the Score North app. It's free to download, register, and enter the Pick Your Prize contest through Listener Rewards. Courtney, how are you in the days leading up to the official tampering period? Are you well-rested? Yeah, no, I'm good. I I keep thinking about like this time last year and where the NFL was and that there was no signs of them slowing down as the rest of the sports world was coming to a halt and just thinking about how they forced the CBA through on that final Sunday before free agency, how they extended the tag deadline. 
Um, and then all of the signings that we saw last year during week, we were like, well, we don't know how this is going to work with the salary cap eventually. And now, obviously, this week we find a year later the salary cap's at 8% lower than it was in previous years. So some finagling they're going to have to do. Teams are going to have to get creative. And you know, if you're a team like the Minnesota Vikings where you don't have a ton of financial flexibility to be like super active in free agency, you're going to have to get creative to either create more space to go after free agents that you want or, or really think that you're going to hit on certain guys in the draft and potentially get creative with your trading strategy to try to get better, higher draft capital. So let's start there with, with the moves that they have made um, in the past week now to try and free up cap space. I'm going to start you with this one. Have the Vikings put themselves in a better or worse position in your mind by uh, taking a left tackle in Riley Reeve, who was coming off a pretty good year, like he played well, and and basically creating an opening at a position. So now instead of the whole focus being, Courtney, on who's the left guard going to be, it's basically who's the left side of the line going to be. Sure. No, I, they were in a tough spot, and I think a lot of that has to do with just – you know, they hedged their bets on Unique and Gakwe and getting Riley Reef to take that pay cut last year, which he was very clearly not happy about. It's a $5 million pay cut. You could not go to him again with the restructure and say, take another pay cut after you played really well. I mean, they just gave him that million dollar bonus so he could recoup some of the earnings he would have earned had he been able to play week 17 if he didn't have COVID. Um, but there was really no way. I think that they were going to be able to a get him to take a pay cut or b you know extend him to the point where they're getting a discount and able to lower that cap number so substantially um, more than it would have been had they just released him because when you saw this week uh, you know there's two there's two Carolina franchise their tackle um, Jacksonville franchise their tackle that's a fourteen ish million dollar fully guaranteed salary for 2021. If you're Riley Reef, you're like, I'm 32 years old. I just coming off probably my best season with the Vikings, maybe my best season as a pro, certainly best season as a left tackle. I'm going to go try to hit the open market and see what I can make. Someone's going to overpay for me. Now, he could be hedging his bets and, and end up with what he could have earned in Minnesota on an extension or could have been potentially less. But that's at least the rationale, I think, for the Vikings that they really – you know, they were kind of fighting a losing battle here, uh, given the circumstances with Reef before. And I've said this, like, you know, the relationship between the front office and the team and Riley Reef, like, let's not like, you know, of course they want to, they wanted to keep him. I think that if you're, you know, on the, the coaching side, the, the, you know, the personnel side, realizing how big of a void it is when you don't have a good left tackle, like that's all the reason to want to keep him. But, you know, in April of last year, they were trying to trade him because they wanted to go after Trent Williams and they make him get a, take a pay cut um, later in the, I mean, they drafted Ezra Cleveland and then they make, make him take a pay cut at the end of the preseason. I don't know how good of a standing the Vikings were with Riley reef in his camp at the end of the day of like wanting to work out something uh, for him to stay there. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, so now that that chip is off the table, I feel, I feel like there's like two or three places that they have to sort of figure out where where are we entering here? Are we entering looking for a left tackle or is Ezra Cleveland the left tackle? And now we're going strictly for interior offensive linemen. Um, and then how much more money can they clear? Are they in the Joe Thune sweepstakes or are they more in like the, the B and C tier left sure. guard or right guard sweepstakes? So as you survey 
what's left after Riley Reef from a from a cap standpoint and from just a positional standpoint. Where do you think they should start? It, and, and maybe some of it depends on what they think of Ezra Cleveland's position in 2021. Where do you think they should start here? It, it, pertaining to the offensive line or like just the next step? Offensive line specifically. Well, I, you, they have to figure out what Ezra, what Ezra Cleveland is. That's the first question. And then you got to figure out, is he if he is a tackle in the NFL, is he a right tackle or is he a left tackle? Because he played left tackle for three seasons at Boise State, I think you drafted him to play left tackle, but you also have Brian O'Neill on the other side of the line who's due for an extension soon, and I'm sure that his representation is probably wondering, well, are we going to get paid at a right tackle number, or if they're going to move us to left tackle, are we going to go after a left tackle number? Because they could differ substantially, just considering you know the importance of left tackles and the, and the potential earnings that O'Neill could have. So it's it opens up. It's like, yes, he's the first domino to fall, creating all this cap space. And I know people argue and say, well, Kyle Rudolph did too, but you know, that didn't even get them. That still got, they were still in the red after they cut Kyle Rudolph and created 5.1 million in cap savings. And to me, that was kind of the foregone conclusion that that was going to happen all off season. We really didn't know with Riley reef until this week. So I think that what you have to do is realize you're, you have about 10 million, you're about 10 million ish under the cap. You can do something here. And like you, you said, Phil, I mean, could they go after Joe Thune or are they going after a Gabe Jackson, like the hot Kevin Zeitler, the more expensive guard options, or are you going to be going after, you know, that the, you know, guys who are cap casualties, but you might be able to get on a, you know, significantly reduced deal, not saying bargain bin Josh Klein, Dakota Dozier style, but, you know, going after guys like, you know, James Carpenter, the guy who just got released from Atlanta a couple of days ago, uh, Austin Blythe, names like that, who, you know, their average annual value on their contract is paying them anywhere from like three to eight million dollars. Getting guys like that into the fold, I think, is critical. Um, but again, you have to figure out what you're doing with Ezra Cleveland first. Like, do you want to keep him at right guard or do you think that, OK, we solve a bigger problem by finding our left tackle. Now we have to go into the interior, sign a guard that would prevent you potentially for reaching from one, for one in the draft in one of the early rounds. So, Courtney, it sounds like, according, I think it was to uh, Mike Garofalo, that six teams are in on the Orlando Brown Jr. sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. He's been allowed to pursue a trade, so calls can go. Obviously, they have to go through Baltimore, but they also can go to him. Uh, here's my quick thought on on Zimmer and Spielman's future as far as the offensive line is concerned now. The Brown, the Orlando Brown Jr. trade makes sense to me because he was in the same draft class as as O'Neill was, which means that both are going into the last year of their rookie contracts in 2021, yeah. which are reasonable cap hits, right? Um, mm-hmm. Signed long term, they would cost you, but that would give you bookends and short term, not bad cap hits. You could then go pursue a left guard who's going to get a decent cap hit in 21. My point is is very simply, this is their last chance to give Cousins an offensive line where there's no excuses for Kirk, and you say, these guys can pass protect, now Kirk, go do it. Your thoughts on, on a scenario I think that probably the head coach wouldn't love, but I think if these guys want to save their jobs, they have to bust their butts to give Cousins mm-hmm. as perfect a pocket as possible just to sort of remove the always, yeah, but Kirk didn't have this or that. Yeah, and, and let's remember, Orlando Brown is not a free agent. Like, he's going into the fourth year of his rookie deal. Right. Um, you'd have to trade somebody for him. Is that Anthony Barbies? You'd be able to create a bunch of cap space by doing that, but I can guarantee you Mike Zimmer would not be thrilled about 
packaging up his favorite guy ever and putting him on another team. Um, it, I think it's smart to pursue an Orlando Brown. I actually had a text come through yesterday from somebody asking me about it. Um, just kind of in a general sense. And I, and I, you know, thought to myself, okay, well, you can, this is the time to go find a guard. Absolutely. Because if you really want Rashawn Slater, if you want Elijah Vera Tucker, they'll be there probably at 14 in the first round. And they have, you know, flexibility. And obviously Brown has flexibility too, about where he can play. He played, I think, 15 games at left tackle this year and then three at right. I mean, he, you can move him wherever you need to move him. But um, what's the bigger concern for you? Obviously, you don't have a left tackle. That's huge. But your interior pass protection was really bad last year. And so how do you fix that? It's not like they've learned the last couple of years that it's not going to be the second or third wave of free agency and getting these bottom of the barrel guards who are barely, you know, on their own, on their own team's roster. They're probably at risk of getting cut in training camp. So going after using that money and using what you have to go after somebody who's a significant upgrade, I think should be the priority. But if you can land an Orlando Brown in the in a trade and you can also free like make yourself financially more flexible, malleable rather, um, going into free agency so that you could do something else, maybe you address the maybe you address tackle and guard all at once. Um because, you know, Anthony Barr, they've got that's the next thing um, they've got to make a decision on because 7.1 of his base for this year, which is 12.3, becomes guaranteed on the third day of the league year in 2021, which is March 19th. Um, if they cut him outright, if he will not take a restructure, because you'd like to think that when they did this, when he reneged on his deal with the Jets a few years ago, and then he walks it back and they give him this, they overpay him, um, give him this, you know, this contract. And you saw the cap hits of what they were beyond 2020 for 2021, 22, and 23. You knew that this day was coming, that they were probably going to want to approach him with some semblance of a restructure. Now, he, I believe he does have an automatic conversion clause, so you could go ahead um, and convert that base salary to a signing bonus and keep pushing the kicking the can down the line. He also has to agree to do that, though. So, I mean, they're in a tough spot there because if you release him at $7.7 million in cap savings, but it's 7.8 in dead money and you're already 10 mil plus in dead money for 2021. Do you really want to keep adding to that? Cause I don't think that's a good look for ownership. Um, especially if you're, if you're Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer going into the season with some more scrutiny, um, you know, on your name, uh, just coming off a seven and nine season and having to get this right. But that I think is what makes it very, very challenging. And that's the thing. Like we can sit here and it's it's great. In 2021, we all have access to overthecap.com and we can sit there and they've got a tool where you can just cut players and save mm-hmm. salary cap and it's great. And it's what the front offices do. But every time you cut a Riley Reef or an Anthony Barr and you save eleven and you save seven, you now need a left tackle. Mm-hmm. And then you would need another linebacker. And Eric Wilson's a free agent. And so, like, yeah, it's it's really easy to sit there and say, Oh, I'll just Mm-hmm. Cut Anthony Barr, you save some money. You cut the you, you you can make a cut over here and you save some money, but like you're opening up more holes on your roster every time you do that. And so oh, absolutely. that's what that's what you have to caution against. On the on the subject of saving money, how do you think Kirk Cousins and, I, and I'll preface by saying we know that historically teams that win the Super Bowl every single year, including Tom Brady last year, the quarterback cap hit is under 13%. That mm-hmm. there hasn't been a quarterback with a cap hit of over thirteen percent win a Super Bowl, and Kirk Cousins' cap hit is right around seventeen percent this year. And yeah. 
I don't I don't think I don't think he's going to play on a forty five million dollar cap it in two thousand twenty two. However, that shakes out, but that would be over twenty percent. How do you think Kirk Cousins' contract plays into the next, let's say, ten to fourteen days? What do you think? is most likely to happen there, Courtney? I don't I don't think they will. Um, I don't think he'll agree to a restructure. And that's going off of history. He never has. I mean, he got the tag twice, never worked out a long-term deal. Took a full, it took for him to come here, a fully guaranteed $84 million. And then obviously they extended him last year because he needed cap relief. I don't think ownership will sign off on another Kirk Cousins extension just yet. And, and they probably shouldn't because... You did it last year, a year ahead of time, where you really didn't need to. Um, and I mean, this, you know, anybody can play the hindsight game and say that that was the wrong move. But at the time, they needed to do it. I see you can kind of understand it. But, you know, I honestly think that they're in a situation that you kind of let it ride with Cousins. You do what you need to do. Um, if he has that $45 million cap hit next year, you try to deal with it then. Like, maybe he plays really well this year, and you do want to keep him around. but. Nonetheless, um, that's next year's problem. They're trying to worry about this year and creating the space that they need to this year, which I think more easily comes with, um, you know, extension pay potentially for Harrison Smith. Uh, he's got a you know ten plus million dollar cap hit for two thousand twenty one. That would probably be the easiest route to go. Give him a two year extension, something like that. Um, there's you know Anthony Barr. Obviously, I'm going to keep bringing that up until something happens. Yeah. Um, but I just I truly don't believe in my gut that Kirk Cousins and an extension or a restructure by any stretches on the table. Um, and there are people who will say, well, he's selfish. You know, the best quarterbacks want the best players around him. I'm just going off of what history has shown us. He has never taken a reduced pay. Like he has never you know with the tag in Washington being tagged twice, he didn't work out long term deals. Um, I think when next year comes around, whether this coaching staff and this front office are together or not, it becomes either their issue next year or it's the next front office and next coaching staff's issue with the $45 million cap hit. And I think if you're ownership, you're eating that regardless, um, which is why a month from now in April, it's pertinent for them to draft a quarterback. Like they have to, they cannot get, and I'm not talking about six, seventh round Nate Stanley's like, you have to do it in, in the first two days without, like, to me, that is, you know, whatever they do in free agency, whether it's a guard, offensive lineman, defensive end, three technique, whatever, because the three technique class is terrible for the draft this year. You do the opposite of that in April, but you also prioritize getting a quarterback first and foremost. This is so juicy. Uh, so, so this team has, has, as far as I can tell, Courtney, a lot of people pulling in different directions for what they think is right and what they think is the right philosophy to try and win football games. So mm -hmm. I will ask you this one, uh, because I think if it was up to Rick Spielman and company, Anthony Barr would not be released, but he would be traded. Uh, my mm -hmm. guess, my guess is that there is one, um, older guy who works in uh, TCO who is probably yeah. trying to lay in the train tracks of said trade. But do you think with how this is going down that Anthony Barr does get traded, uh, especially if the Vikings can get a third or or perhaps, and this is a reach, but if they can replace mm -hmm. that second-round pick that went to Jacksonville in the Ngakwe trade? Because I'm with you. I, I think the Barr thing's incredibly fluid, and I think in one mm -hmm. way, shape, or form – it's being addressed right now, and we're going to know. And we're going to know by Monday, for instance, how how yeah, it sort absolutely. of shook out. Yeah, because they have to make a decision soon. Like they can't. He's got the third highest cap hit on the team. It's north of fifteen million. Um, it, it's just too expensive for an off ball linebacker. If I'm being completely frank about it, like 
Um, he doesn't rush the passer as much as he probably should and how much you're paying him for. So unless you're going to just change his role and let's not forget this guy's coming off of a torn pectoral muscle that he sat out the rest of the season for. I've wondered for months, what is the trade market for Anthony Barr coming off of that injury? We'll find out soon because as much as Mike Zimmer loves this guy, it was his first first rounder first pick ever uh, when he was with the Viking, when he got to the Vikings in 2014 you might have to let him go if it is for the better betterment of this team. And really if it's, if you can fix your cap situation, so then you could go after more pass rushers and all the shiny toys that you want on defense. Cause you know, I wrote this earlier this week. Sure. Defense is the priority for this team to rebuild, um, or excuse me, reach, continue to retool the rebuilding process because it's a two to three year process. But in order to, in order to do that, you had to answer, two questions on the offensive side of the ball. One was Kyle Rudolph and in, in releasing him. That was a quick answer. And then Riley Reef took a little longer and then you released him. So you had to do that in order to fix your defense to get the, you know, availability to uh, financial availability to f- fix your defense. But now even by way of trading Anthony Barr, if you could recoup a second round pick is you're right, Judd, they certainly don't have one. And how funny would it be? Um, if they end up getting that second round pick back from Baltimore, I mean, third time's a charm, right? For, for trades, maybe this one will work out considering the first one was Kari Vedvik, um, two years oh ago. God. And then <laughs> this last one was unique in Gakwe after six weeks and realizing that that was a disaster. Maybe the third time around will work for them in this trade with Baltimore. I don't know. I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. I think maybe Baltimore, you, you might just want to take them off your call list. If you're the Vikings <laughs> at this point, like there's, there's certain teams that just fleece you every time. Uh, by the way, uh, this episode of Purple Daily powered in part by our friends at Whamatech. So if you're listening or watching on a broken down phone, tablet, or laptop, if you're an angry coach who throws his <laughs> film tablet on the sidelines and now you need something new, well, here's what Whamatech does. They're a trusted supplier of pre-owned cell phones, tablets, and laptops. They're a local company based in Minnesota. They source pre-owned devices directly and pass the, the savings on to you guys. So uh, they'll even buy your old device for cash. Buy, sell, trade in, whatever you guys need. Whamatech's got you covered at whamatech.com. That's W-A-M-A-T-E-K.com. So I think the biggest question here, Courtney, and you, and you sort of alluded to already, you know, that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, we don't even know for sure if those are the two guys who are going to be in charge one year from now. And, Kirk Cousins' contract might be somebody else's problem. So with with that being said, the window to win a Super Bowl is still open for them in their minds right now. Like, we might sit here and say there's really no way to go from 7-9 to nine or whatever to, to being a Super Bowl contender, but presumably they are planning to try and win a Super Bowl in the short term. Mm-hmm. And I think my question to you is with whatever cap space they wind up having and whatever draft assets they have uh, come April – and and Daniil Hunter coming back and Michael Pierce coming back. Do you see a realistic set of moves to be made to put them into like the NFC championship game this upcoming season? Or is that way too much of a pipe dream? The realistic side of my brain thinks that that's probably, I still think that, and I know people didn't like that I said this back in like November, December, when you get rid of all the players that they got rid of last year on defense, um, Mike Zimmer said he miscalculated it. Like that put them behind the eight ball. And sometimes that just happens. That's attrition. It happens in sports. Like, you know, you get guys who are on the other side of 30 who have been around with like, since the time that you got there, of course you're going to have to move on and start over. But 
it's not a one-year process. Like that to me is a two to three-year rebuild and retooling of your defensive line, of your secondary, what have you. Um, You know, I think that I just, how would you make that work? Because right now you need to fix the offensive line, right? You need a number three receiver. Let's not forget that if, if you are going to use him, like that's the only thing that like, when I see these arguments going around on social media about how the Vikings could potentially use, um, you know, another receiver off of the like second wave of free agency, would they actually use him? Would they throw out more 11 personnel? Do they want, I mean, like how, how would they make that work when they're such a run heavy team? But nonetheless, then you have to think about the defensive side of the ball and all the pieces that you don't have. Like, you know, we talk about edge rushers being a priority and they certainly are. And it's good that they got someone like Steven Weatherly, you know, a discount for them, a discounted pass rusher. Maybe you can get a couple more of those, but like, let's not forget about like the interior of the defensive line. It's bad. Like, obviously Shamar Stefan is not, you know, was a better nose tackle probably than the three technique, but you hope that Michael Pierce comes back in shape and ready to go and all of that next to him at three technique, you need to find something there because that's been an issue. And I, I know that, you know, people get irritated with me talking about like this, but I, and I'll harp on it until they actually fix it because they have not had any interior push to keep quarterbacks high in the pocket. So your guys on the outside can actually do their job since they had Shelton Richardson two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. So fix that. But also like your cornerback situation in your safety situation, you haven't addressed safety in the, since like this, you know, before the sixth round in a couple of years. Like to me, Phil, there's so many pieces that are still needing to, you know, they're not a piece away from winning the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it was interesting watching Dak's press conference the other day uh, when he was talking about, you know, bringing a Super Bowl to Dallas and, you know, all of the rhetoric around winning a trophy that he talked about. You never heard the Vikings talk about that after the signing of Kirk Cousins. Like, they kind of, like, couched that perfectly so they didn't ever, like, guarantee something that they couldn't deliver on. I don't know if this group – I mean, this group is talented enough with if you upgrade parts of the defense for sure in the offensive line. This group is talented enough to go to the postseason. But when you think about the powers in the NFC, when you think about Green Bay and where they're at and where Tampa is and, you know, obviously New Orleans is probably going to fall off this year uh, and kind of come back down. But, like, what about Dallas? What about all these other teams that you see around the NFL? Um, the Rams, like, you know, how is that going to work? to where you could be in the top five. I mean, maybe top 10, sure, you know, but I just don't know if I believe that they're going to be able to do enough to win a Super Bowl coming off of this, you know, off season. And amidst all of that, um, the, the one name that we have not brought up yet, Daniil Hunter, mm-hmm. what are you hearing there? And how do you think that plays out? Because that definitely holds potentially another huge key of, of how quickly this defense can come back or be put into disarray if he's not paid and holds sure. up. Well, personally, I don't think he has any ground to stand on. Remember when that report broke um, the day that he was moved or he was already on IR the day that he had the neck injury last, it's the next surgery last year and it ended his season yeah. completely. Like there was one outlet NFL network that reported the deal or like the, you know, he wants to be the highest paid defensive end or trade him. You know, there's one there's one outlet that reported that it wasn't this widespread thing. And Rick Spielman told us that that had never been communicated to him. Um, I personally don't think Hunter has any leverage now. If he would have played last year. Sure. Let's talk about it. But like 
he doesn't have any leverage right now. He's coming off of a neck injury. Let's see if you can play like the same way you, you did when you were the first, fastest to get 50 sacks two years ago before we start talking money. Like eventually they're going to like give him an extension, assuming he comes back and he's the same player, you know, dominant force off the edge. But, you know, in that same vein, like what Rick Spielman said about having him, Hunter and Pierce back being like two free agents, he's right. But what level are you going to get out of them? Like from, from everything I've heard, you know, the coaching staff has been in touch with Hunter a little bit. It's not like a constant dialogue back and forth, but you know, there's also, you know, the belief from everybody I've spoken with that he, that he will be back, um, you know, this season, there's no question of like, you know, physically, if he's, you know, if the rehab didn't go well or anything like that, but could he potentially be good trade leverage for them? That's the next thing I think that you worry about when you're talking or you start thinking about when you're talking about free agency, what could you command for a Daniil Hunter? Now, you know, we know how Mike Zimmer feels about Anthony Barr. I don't know if he'd be willing to give up Daniil Hunter. Um, but it, you know, if, if somebody called for, for Hunter coming off a neck injury, I mean, like I, the thought of trading for players when they come off, like being like seriously injured, I'll never truly understand it because I just feel like you, you hedge way too much. And I'm not that big of a gambler when it comes to things like that, but that would be something they could probably command a pretty penny for him. Um, and if he's on maybe he goes somewhere else and he can actually like earn that contract a year ahead of when Minnesota could potentially give it to him in the future. See, the, the, this is the most interesting part about this tightrope. I've told Judd this and Declan on the show and that I think it's easy for us to sit here and say that success needs to be linear when it comes to judging coaches and GMs and that, mm-hmm. well, you, you need to go from below 500 and you need to get to 10 and 6 and make the playoffs to save your job. Like, like you, there needs to be linear progression to save your job. And if I'm the ownership group right now, and this franchise is, has been around for 60 years, no Super Bowls. And Super Bowl is the thing that we should all be striving for internally here if I'm running the Vikings, right? I would tell Mike and Rick, listen, obviously, we'd like to go to the playoffs next year. That would be ideal. Um, we'd like to get fans back in, in the seats and get excited and win as many games as possible. But I'm not going to judge you on winning two extra games and sneaking in. I'm going to judge you based on you presenting me ownership with a plan to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And if that plan includes having to trade a couple of win now pieces, like, you know what, Daniil Hunter, someone's offering two first round picks. We just have to make this trade. And if we My make God, this trade, yeah, there's no, right. and if we make that trade, there's no way that we can win the Super Bowl in 2021, but we're going to set up this plan mm-hmm. to win it in two or three years from now. I think the Vikings are so paralyzed by the fear of like dropping off to a four and 12 franchise. They just like they 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 just crave being relevant and getting into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes at the detriment of actually going through with a plan that could win them the Super Bowl, which is why Kirk Cousins is still under contract for like top five quarterback salary cap money this year. So, your thoughts on that? Like, what is the bar for them to keep their their jobs, and what should it be in your mind? Well, you bring up a good point because it's like if they go to ownership and they present it as hey, we can do all these things. And if ownership's like more involved, um, you know, because you got to think that they've in a way have to be, you know, maybe kicking themselves last year for last year and all the extensions that they doled out maybe a little too early um, for general manager, head coach, quarterback, things like that, um, that they might want to be like, okay, like we're not just going to open the pocketbook this year until you come up with a plan. Um, That's, you know, makes sense. Like, but do they have a general consensus? That's not it. I'm not 
convinced that they do with the direction that this team has to go. It's what makes this free agency uh, so interesting for the Vikings because it's like, is it offense or is it defense? I mean, like to me, it's defense. That's your priority. But like, do you have to get to defense by way of offense by fixing the offensive line first, and then defense is your priority in the draft? I don't know. Um, we'll find that out soon. But you know, if they were able to pull off some like bold moves like that, like if they if they traded Kirk Cousins, like I know this was a conversation from a month ago, but like there was a reason that that was out there because that is so franchise altering and knowing that you would be taking potentially a step back at the quarterback position, but you'd have all, you would be done. You'd be done with it. You'd be done with the financial restraints that his contract, his contract has put on your salary cap. You'd be able to start over to me. You present that to ownership and you're like, Hey, we did it. He's gone. Like, we're not going to be great this year, but you know, give us a chance. Like we, but that's also like, it could go, I could see it go two ways. You could either have ownership be like, you know, great, we tried, but like, we're proud of you for doing that. Or they could be like, you just admitted failure that we just spent $84 million plus for a mistake. Like this was supposed to be the franchise guy in truth be told, you know, for Rick Spielman, like the quarterback position has been one that he has always tried to get right, but has struggled with even dating back to his days in Miami. So, you know, I think it could go a number of different ways, but for them to keep their jobs, they I mean, they have to make the postseason next year. Under Mike Zimmer, they have not had seasons in back-to-back years where they have not made the postseason. To me, that's the first bar right there. Make the playoffs. I don't know if you have to win a game or not, but you have to make the playoffs because perception with this ownership group and everything is, like you said, relevance. They want to be talked about. They want to be sitting at the cool kids' table. Do they have a plan to be the most popular kid? the kid who wins Super Bowl. I don't know, but they want to be in the mix. They want to be, you know, a team that's always being talked about um, league wide. Like, I don't know if they have the capability, especially with this group to win a Super Bowl, but they do have the capability to be relevant. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Courtney, get some, get some rest if you can, unless an Anthony Barr trade happens in the next like two hours. Cause I don't think you're going to sleep next week. It's almost tampering yeah, next time. Week should, next week should be really fun. Like, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it and it's nice this year that we actually know, um, you know, all, you know, everything's moving forward. We have a season in the fall. There are probably going to be fans everywhere. Like it's a lot different than free agency was last year. And the fact that there still could be so much quarterback movement makes it exciting. Yeah. Love it. Amen. That's our friend Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. You can follow her great Vikings work at ESPN.com. I think you can just go to ESPN.com slash NFL and then click on the Vikings link there. Um, and you can follow her on Twitter, too. So we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon and we'll see what this thing looks like in a week or two from now. And that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Be sure to uh, click the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Download the app. And uh, give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple if you could. It helps spread the word about the show. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time on Purple Daily.